Welcome to the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. On today's podcast, I have with me Richard Rue. Joining the Office of the Privacy Commissioner of Canada in 2022, Richard Rue is currently the Deputy Commissioner of Corporate Management. Richard is a multifunctional leader with a proven track record of achieving results, innovating, and implementing organizational change. This is well showcased in his previous role as the Director of Corporate Management Services at the Military Police Compliance Commission. In that role, he was the Head of Human Resources, the Chief Financial Officer, the Security Officer, and the Chief Information Officer for Organization. Prior to this, he was the Director of Corporate Secretariat and the Director of Parliamentary Affairs at Transport Canada. Richard believes in creating work environments based on a culture of candor, where each employee is empowered to speak openly, generously, and honestly, even if it means not being 100% nice. This approach has helped him foster engagement and accountability in his previous work environment while cultivating talent and supporting organizational changes. His background, as well as his extensive experience managing organizational-wide activities and advising senior leaders on challenging management issues, have honed his problem-solving and organizational skills, as well as his corporate acumen. Richard is a positive space ambassador. As a gay man living with HIV, he is particularly aware of the pernicious impacts of systemic bias. This lived experience has made him a leader and an advocate for diversity of people and thoughts, and for the inclusion of all members in the community. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, Bruna. Wow. What a, how many hats do you wear with all the positions? That you... <laughs> <laughs> I used to think of having a wall with AF and change the hats when I changed. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of responsibilities and in small organizations, you have less people to play those roles. You have to play multiple roles. And that doesn't only apply to me. I think that applies to everybody that's in my sector. Everybody has three jobs. When you work in a small organization, you have more generalists, people that have to be able to do a third of this and a third of that and so on. It makes it, keeps it interesting, keeps it fun, but it, it can be challenging at times. Okay. So tell us a bit more about your current role and what do you do? I'm a Deputy Commissioner of Corporate Services, which is basically the stage director for the organization. If I'm thinking of my job, if I'm doing my job really well, it's completely invisible because people are going to come up to the show. They're going to see the talent. They're going to see the play. They're going to enjoy the play, right? They're not going to notice that there's sound, there's lighting, that there's a set, that there's ticketing, that there's, there's all these other services. So corporate services is there to enable the program areas to deliver quality services to Canadians, right? And it goes from resource management, making sure that we have access to the product, the services that we need, to the human resource management, making sure that we have the people that we need to deliver those programs, that we have planning so we can plan ahead for the future, that we're reporting on our results to Parliament, that we have the IT systems and the IM systems so we actually actually find information. And all those things have synergies in between each other's. And it's really important that there's alignment in delivering all these parts. Because when you have alignment, 
the program is able to focus on the program delivery and provide value to Canadians. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. What would you say you love about your work? I love helping people. And part of my job because of our role is to help people deliver the mandate. We're always helping the other. So I always remind my employees that there's no corporate services without the program, but the programs would not be able to accomplish their goals without corporate services. That, that's always my steal. I also enjoy the fact that I'm accountable for multiple business lines. I have a unique opportunity to see the impact that HR, IT, finance, material management, and security all interacts together and create the connection and the alignment. And, and the fact that it's a lot of different sectors, I'm a bit ADHD, so for me, it keeps it interesting. I think if I only had one of those, I might get bored after a year, but because <laughs> you focus on something for part of the year, then you focus on the other one, and then sometimes you're bringing two together. For me, that keeps it challenging and interesting mm -hmm. and always fresh. Yes. That sounds very, like a very exciting, fun job. Yeah. Can you speak to some of the misconceptions about what you do? I think the first one would be the common misconception is that because I'm a deputy commissioner, or I get to always get what I want or do what I want. Well, uh, I think people, <laughs> we don't. So sometimes people in the public service, like you think, oh, like the, of course you're a director or you're a DG or you're an ADM. And so you, you get to, to do what you want, but we don't, right? As executive and as you progress in your career, you can't dictate and do only what you want. You always have to be thinking about what's the best for the organizations, for the workforce, for the future. And you're working within a context of a much bigger organization, which is a public service. So. I still have a boss, but I also, I'm also accountable to implement multiple treasury board policies in my organization and I have to follow them. I have to make sure that we're accountable to parliament. And that means that I'm not always doing what I would want to do because this is not like a family business. I'm making decisions in a much broader context and I'm implementing decisions that might have been made by parliament, by the deputy head, by the treasury board, by finance and so on. I don't get to always do what I want to do. I think when I'm doing something that, that I'm not necessarily in complete agreement that this is not what I would want to do, I try to find a way to, to execute it within my personal values and find how I can execute that decision the best way where I'm still living my core personal values and the execution of it. The other thing is I can't accomplish anything without my team. So how my decision will impact the team is always on the top of my mind because if I don't have them, I can't get anything done, right? So I always have to be really cautious of who I'm working with, like what the employees need and want. I can't always do what they want, but I have to take it into account. And, and finally, it's, it's really like that, the fact that I have to make decisions are best for the organization. I think one of the thing that I do well, and that sometimes people have a hard time understanding is I am both Richard Roux, but I'm also the deputy commissioner. And sometimes when I'm making decisions, I have to make decisions as the deputy commissioner who's looking at what makes sense here from a policy perspective, what's going to be the best decisions for the organization. But that not, might not be the decision that Richard wants to make because that decision might Im impact 
some employees that I like, that I would like to support, but like I have to make decision at the system level. For example, last year we were experiencing financial pressures in my organization and I had to cut my sector by 5% and another sector 5% to redistribute money to other sectors to address priorities, right? That was not a popular decision. That's not what I wanted to do. Like my directors were not too happy with me and had just started the organization. So it's a strange thing to do to reduce your budget, right? But that was what we needed to do as an organization to face the financial challenges that were there. And from a, from a corporate perspective, the two branches that were caught, we had the biggest budget and the most capacity to absorb that cut and risk manage it. So I think the biggest misconception is the further you go up, you don't get to dictate and decide everything because it all happens in a much broader context. And we try to make decisions based on what's best Canadians for the taxpayers, for the organization, for the future of the organization, sure. not necessarily what we would like to do. Also like my executive assistant has full control of my time <laughs> and my week and and I'm attending a lot of meeting with central agencies and other organization and I don't really have control on that. Right. So that's another thing where we're at the beck and calls of other people as well. And we have much more requests on our time and that has a big impact. Wow. Yeah. That's really great that you were able to share and sticking to your personal values while also making the tough calls. I think that's important because I think if you're not sticking to your values, you're going to damage yourself. I remember there were set of decisions that were being made and I disagreed with how we were going about making some of those decisions and I had sat down with the ADM and I basically told the ADM, I said, listen, like, I'm a good soldier. If this is what you want to do, I'll execute it. But I will be, once this is done, I'll be looking for another job because I'll never put myself in a situation. Mm -hmm. where I'm giving you the power to put me in that situation. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it was like, I'm going to have lost trust in him. And it was really like done in a very professional, very, like we, we had a really good relationship. I think we had the space to be myself and honest, but that, that challenged him so much that he actually changed course and it didn't completely change course, mm -hmm. but the conversation evolved to a place where I was able to implement the decision with it, my set of core value. So we influence each other. And, and that was really difficult because it was really scary. Right. Like I'm telling an ADM, like I, I disagree with this. I think you're not following the code of values of ethic of the public service. I think this is not fair for this group of people and, and have that conversation with someone who has a lot of power over you and the future of your career. Yeah. But I think to be able to trust him to have that conversation, be well prepared and not make it, I was not making accusation and it was a good conversation and it had good results because then we moved forward and I kept working with that person for a long time and I learned a lot from that person and, but we had a lot of difficult conversations. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think there's great wisdom in that too, that having that honest conversation. Yeah. I mean, that honest conversation, but also something I had to learn in my career was to give people an escape route, right? If you're going to have a difficult conversation, don't corner someone. <laughs> so keep the conversation open so they have, they can actually have a path forward and not corner them in a the corner. So I don't know if that makes sense, but 
Yeah, it does. I hope I do. It does. What new exciting projects are you working on? I think one of the exciting for me is we have a bill in parliament right now. So when you have, when you're an organization, you have a significant bill for your organization in parliament. It's always exciting because it's going to transform the mandate of the organization and how we do our work. So it's going to have an impact on usually there's money attached to a bill. So there's a money impact, but there's also a policy impact on what the organization is going to set out to do. That has a huge impact on corporate services, right? Because if we're going to be launching new programs, for example, where we're going to need new IT solution, we're going to have to hire people. We might need new skill sets. From an HR perspective, you need to say, how are we going to recruit? Who are we going to recruit? Like how are we going to integrate those people in the organization? You're going to have to buy computers, equipment, you might need to increase your office space. There's all sort of impacts. So that's always exciting. So we have Bill C-27, which is the modernization of PIPEDA Act. So it's going to have a huge impact on Canadians' privacy in the private sector and regulate the private sector and the new digital economy. So that's really exciting for me. Wow. Yeah, very exciting and very broad-reaching. You know, you have to think we're a small organization, right? We have a budget of $25 million. We have a 207 FTEs. That legislation could have an impact of growing our, our FTEs by about 50%. So it's a huge impact for a small organization. If you're in a big organization, there are some bills that are very transformative for big organization, but usually it's like more of a sector that gets impacted, right? So as opposed to us, it's like the whole organization. I enjoy working in a smaller organization because it's very visible. So you can really see the impact. Your contribution is visible. And that's really motivating and I think like empowering for employees. So when people come in a small organization, it's a lot of work because everybody has three jobs. <laughs> but on the other end, you could be an AS2 and have like impactful ideas that are going to be resonating across the organization because you thought about changing a system. You thought about changing the way that we purchase some products or when we purchase them and how we're structuring those things. For example, in my IM IT teams, like they used to do all the renewals and at the end of the year, it was a ton of work for the whole team. People were like stressed because it was year end. And now they figure out why we're we doing all of this on in March, because we could do half of it in the fall and we could do half of it in March. And then they started doing that. And it had an impact on the material management team because yeah. <laughs> everybody signs contracts and the contract ends on March 31st, right? There's no reason for contracts. The contracts don't have to end on March 31st. They can end on May 1st. They can end in, in July. Like you can make decisions when you put those contracts in place. And when they're being renewed, particularly on the licensing, all these service agreements that we're signing, there's no reason that they start in April, right? <laughs> they can be from January to December, but that's people doing the work that were like, why don't we change this? And then management was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they did it. Wow. What advice would you give to listeners? I think my first piece of advice is make each of your career move based on the people you will work with and what you will learn from the experience. So don't make your decision based on the salary. And uh, although that might, there might be some short term gains of getting the promotion or whatever, 
but what are the long-term gains? Sometimes people might want to keep you in an organization and offer you promotion to keep you, but is your job going to change? Are you going to have more responsibilities or are you just going to get a little bit more money? Like, how are you going to grow? What's going to be the impact for you to grow? Like, I came in the public service. I'm one of those strange people. I was an engineer. I was an AS. I was an EC. And I've been an EX for about six years now. But when I went from being an engineer to an AS, I took a $12,000 pay cut. And the reason I did that was it let me take a job in an ADM's office as a senior advisor that I thought was going to open my world and give me an opportunity to see how the decisions were made and how the department was managed. And that was a great opportunity for me. There was a financial impact. I had conversation with my partner. We made decisions and we adjusted our lifestyle to address that. Not everybody can do that. I realize that. I find it's important to always grow and develop yourself and figure out what is the skill that I don't have? What's my dream job, right? Where do I want to be in the future? And what are the skills and experience that are missing to get that job? And then go out and find opportunities where you're going to go. And it's, it's, I don't know, if you're a gamer, if you're playing Zelda and you're collecting the sword and the potion and this and that, like you're collecting those skills to build your resume, make yourself a more well-rounded manager or a leader. And that's going to give you the opportunity to reach your goals. If you're making decisions based on salary, that's not going to give you those skills. The other reason if you work for a horrible person, you're going to have a horrible time. And I've worked for other people where I didn't have great alignment. And when things were hard, they were really hard. Like I, I, it was so hard that one year I walked to the bridge and I spent 20 minutes on the bridge thinking about jumping. That was how bad things got. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I realized that I needed to get help, but that person We didn't share values and there was no way to have the conversation. And how I found help was I went and got help from the other people in my organization, my peers, my manager. We got together and we found ways to manage that person. Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) What a journey. (laughs) What a journey you've had. My goodness. And, um... Call to action to listeners. What should they be doing? Be your full unapologetic self. I think that's one thing that I've learned that I do my best work when I bring my whole person at work. When you're trying to filter yourself to fit what's expected of the majority, you're not bringing your best self. You're not being your you're not bringing your best value because you're putting everything through a filter, right? And to put yourself through a filter, that means that 40% of your brain is focusing on still trading what you're communicating. So you're not putting all your effort and giving your best work because you're diminishing your capacity. Like I used to be way too direct and I evolve. I learned to be a little bit more diplomatic about some stuff. But I realized that if I'm trying to put everything through a filter, I'm not getting my message out effectively. I'm not being myself. I'm not happy with myself. I talk about being HIV at work because I used to hide that. I used to have this big wall built around it. And when you're 
spending so much time protecting something, you're not focused on what's actually happening and then you can't be your full self. So to me, it's important to be your unapologetic yourself, be yourself, bring your own style of leadership. Don't. And then if you're somewhere where they're telling you that you have to be somewhere, there's a cultural norm. I would challenge that and find champions in your organization to support you. I think there's been a call of action against racism by the, the clerk and it's called a call for action, which means that we need to take action. Actions need to be taken in organization. It's no longer sufficient to send, be sending nice emails and celebrate black history month and celebrate all the, all the events throughout the year by sending an email, you need to actually do concrete things. Organization needs to take concrete things to change the dialogue and the narrative in the organization. And then you have to look at yourself and question yourself. And it's not fun. It's not comfortable. It's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. And, but it's important that it happens and then find the people. If you're in a place and you're like, I can't be myself here, find your people where you're going to be able to be yourself and go there. Cause that's where you're going to be your best self and you're going to give your best work and not only are you going to be appreciated, but you're going to appreciate yourself. And about the nice, I try to practice kindness. I'd rather be kind than nice. And I'll explain to you the difference. So. If, if you're an, if I'm a nice person and we run into each other's in a corridor after lunch and you have salad stuck in your teeth, if I'm a nice person, I'm going to pretend that it's not there and not say anything. So I don't embarrass you, but a kind person would gently let you know that you have lettuce between your teeth. So you, you don't spend the whole afternoon walking around <laughs> with that piece of lettuce stuck there. <laughs> and then it goes and. If you take this to other dimensions, a kind manager will sit down with an employee and talk about a performance issue and say, listen, like, notice this, this is not really working out. Here's where I would like you to operate and how are we going to get there together and have that hard, uncomfortable conversation. Like the past, we can't change it. We can only alter the future instead of being nice and not saying anything or trying to avoid it, but being frustrative and passive aggressive and talking that person's back. Right. So I find some, sometimes the government we're too nice. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to rock the boat, but that doesn't necessarily pay off for the organization. I think the organization should be focus on being kind, having hard conversations that are honest, that are based on kindness and wanting to do better and to grow together, then avoiding all conflict or all difficult things. Wow. But you have to be courageous to be kind. Yeah. And it's not easy. <laughs> I don't know. It gets easier the more you practice it, I would say. But you need to have trust. And you need to have trust. You need to have confidence. And it was like one of my direct report told me something last weekend was very instructive for me because something happened and I sent that person a note saying, I said, Hey, I wish you had done this differently because now like, I feel that my 
my hands are tied and then it's locked me in a way and I would appreciate it that next time if this situation occurs again, you come to me to, so we can have a discussion before you do this, right? Because they had a conversation with someone who's locked me in a path that was not the path I wanted to take. And then when I did that, she was like, initially she was like, oh, I felt like you were probably mad at me or I was being scolded. And then she realized, I said, oh no, like Richard's telling me, so I know that next time mm -hmm. something happened, this is what he wants me to do. And she had to move from how things had operated for her in her career in the past yeah. to who I am as a person and re and reframe it in the context of my relationship with her. Yeah. And then, and for me, it was like, oh, this is great that you got this, right? I'm not mad. I was like, not, I was just like, Hey, just be careful. And here's the behavior I'm expecting next time. That, no, that, uh, and you never know what other people they've experienced in the past of how that changes their perspective. But I think being open, having been able to courageous to have that respectful yeah. dialogue. I think we forget that a lot. I have a piece of art in my house and the way that it was created, if we're both looking at it at the same time and we're like two feet apart, yeah. we're not seeing the same image yeah. because it's, uh, it's called a gamograph. And so whoever is in front of it in the room sees a different image <laughs> because there's a pris prism on top of it. So you only ever see about 20% of the image, but 20 different percent of the image when you move. And I bought that piece because to me, it was like, that was about life because anything that happens, your perspective, where you're sitting, looking at the event, you're going to have a different, completely different take on it. You're going to experience it differently. If you look at a crime scene, like the witnesses, like, like they, they all have a different recounting of what happened. And that's true in life. That's true in the office. My perspective of when something happens, when the decision is taken, um, is completely different than each individual employee. And if we forget about that, that someone might re re react negatively and you're like, well, why are they being this way? They're not being any way, like they're living this through a different lens, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the curiosity to try to understand what's their perspective you're missing out because then you, I think you have to be curious. You have to be asking questions and you have to realize that your perspective is your own and other people are experiencing the same decisions, the same events in a completely different way. And what's important is to be curious and have conversations yeah. and keep your mind open. I'm telling employees in my sector saying, if I'm asking you to do something, and it's going to cause a ton of work. Don't just do it. Tell me it's going to cause a ton of work because from my perspective, I'm asking for that simple little thing, but I might not realize that in order to do this, you need to put a contract in place or whatever. Like I, I from my perspective, I don't see that work. So your guy's job is to let me know, okay, like doing that simple thing is going to have these consequences. We're going to have to delay this project. We're going to do this thing. It's going to create work for this person that's already taxed. And then when you engage with me that way, I was like, okay, like, never mind that. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. <laughs> but it might be super important. And I might say, yeah, like that makes sense to disturb six people. 
but I might also be like, I did not realize. And I think that's something that we fail in the public servants sometimes. The ADM asks for stuff, the DG asks for stuff. And you can't always be saying, we can't do it, we can't do it, you can't do it. But I think it's important to articulate, here's the impact of doing this. Here's the impact on those decisions. Here's what you're not going to have. Like you want this now, this other project's not going to happen or it's going to create delays. And to have those conversations because we have a responsibility to manage upward. And the more you go up the food chain, the more time you spend managing upward and horizontally. So when you become a director, a DG, an ADM, you're spending less time. Like when you're a manager, you're managing your employees and that's where you spend the most time, right? And when you become a director, you're managing your directors, but you're also managing your DG and you might do some management horizontally from some of your clients. Mm -hmm. The more you go up, the more time you spend managing up and horizontally. I'm spending a lot of time engaging with my colleagues, with my peers. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm investing a lot of my time because... That's where I'm having an impact. And that's what having, they have a huge impact on my team. And if I'm not managing them effectively, we're not achieving our goals. This is great. So many like great wisdom in this podcast today. We went from you talking about your career as a stage director and how you, when you do good work, you are invisible, right? Because yeah, you do, people don't notice it and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. We talked about accountability and following your personal values, which I think you are certainly a highlight of that, working through your personal values to then have that impact your work. That's a great takeaway. And then we shared about talking through difficult situations and what that takes, what hard conversations are like and how, you know, what's being nice versus being kind, right? And we talked about maintaining our relationships, having mentors, being in touch with people for the sake of mentorship and they may not, they may necessarily not solve your own problems, but they can give you that added perspective, which I think is a great takeaway. What else? And then we talked about Zelda for a little bit, which was fun. <laughs> I can... <laughs> As a gamer, that was a very good analogy to be able to think about how you go through life, accumulating pieces of experience to help shape the right tool shape you in the right way to achieve your goal. So I thought that was great. And then being yourself, we hear that enough to be yourself, but what does that actually mean? And I think you gave us some really good examples of what that's like. So thank you so much for coming in on this podcast and really giving us such a great wisdom. Thanks to you, Bruno. You take really good notes, by the way. <laughs> I get this 30 minutes with you. I'm taking as much wisdom down as I can and hopefully sharing that. But uh, thank you for finding me and reaching out. Much appreciated. Congratulations on, on, on this project that you have. I think it's super interesting. And I find it fun when public servants are thinking out the box and doing different things. So I commend you for that. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for today. So thank you again, and hopefully we'll be in touch. <laughs>